You're listening to the Fearless Kitchen Podcast. And now it's time to join your host, Vanessa Baxter. Welcome to another episode of the Fearless Kitchen Podcast, brought to you by my coolest, most fantastic podcast partner, worldpodcasts.com. And today it's all about London. So listen on for some cool stories of my time when I was so much younger and so much more crazy and fearless. uh, And the days that I worked at the Intercontinental Hotel, London on Hyde Park Corner. I'll take what's good Hey guys, Vanessa here again and I've had a lot of you share with me that you are really enjoying these crazy little stories that I am sharing with you around uh, my life and how these stories connect all my little food adventures and bring together the background of who I am, where I've been and what, you know, how I've kind of come to be here with you on this podcast. So I thought I'd share a kind of fun story again and this is a time that I lived in London I was pretty young again, early 20s, and I happened to wander along and decide that would be a great idea to apply for a job as a waitress at the Intercontinental Hotel on Hyde Park Corner. So I rocked up one day and I had my little CV, which wasn't really much, you know, the fact that I'd been to uni and done some student jobs along the way, and knocked on the staff entrance door on the side of the Intercontinental Hotel on Hyde Park Corner and was let in. And immediately someone took my CV and said, oh, that's great that you're here and you're here for the coffee shop job. And I said, yes, I am. And I got seated there in the waiting room for ages and ages and ages. It was pretty grotty. And I just remember thinking, why on earth um, am I sitting here for such a long time to simply put in a request for a waitress job? I found it quite amusing, really. Anyway, eventually, uh, the personnel lady comes out and apologises profusely for leaving me waiting. And she disappears back into her office. And the next thing, a guy appears hurriedly, looking completely harassed and hot and bothered and apologising profusely for leaving me waiting and takes me into an interview room and starts to ask me all these questions about my background and how I would cope with certain situations in the restaurant and we had this huge interview. I was actually quite mortified. Uh, I was also really thought to myself, this is incredibly professional for a waitressing job. You know, London's such a huge step up from Australia. (laughs) Meantime, we get to the end of the interview and Tom, my uh, interviewer, says, I really like you. I think, you know, this is going to work really well. And, you know, I just need to get back to personnel, but you'll hear from us really quickly. So I left on such a positive note. And of course, it was way before mobile phones or anything in those days days and I was staying with a friend so I had to sort of wait back at the friend's house and hope that we would catch the message on the home phone. 
Sure enough, I did get called by the personnel at the Intercontinental Hotel quite quickly and uh, offered the job of the assistant restaurant manager at the hotel. And I was on the floor laughing because it all made so much sense. But it didn't make sense because I had no idea that's what I was being interviewed for. And I took the job. Of course, I accepted the job. If they thought that I was capable of doing it, of course, I was going to be capable of doing it. So I arrived back of house at this five-star hotel to a massive commercial kitchen and a massive coffee shop uh, where they did a buffet for breakfast, lunch and dinner and a la carte and they had extraordinary guests and the whole thing was completely insane and like a whirlwind period of my life. But what was so funny was eventually Tom and I knew each other well enough that the conversation came up about that period of time in the interview and I was very honest with him and said, actually, I just literally knocked on the door and came into the hotel to put my CV in for a waitressing job and this is what happened and then you appeared and here we are. And he just laughed. He said, oh, my goodness, you just basically coincided Uh, with someone else who was meant to come in for the job that we had advertised. And so it was just this complete disconnect of communication. So personnel were crossed with him and he was crossed with them because they hadn't realised that I was arriving. And at that time, actually, I just walked off the street. So anyway, it was a really funny moment and one of those crazy parts of my life where I've just gone great, let's just run with this opportunity. And I became the coffee shop assistant restaurant manager. And that was pretty much where I learnt everything, everything about running a restaurant, about how a commercial kitchen operates, about the pass, about the different divisions within the kitchen, how to get a buffet out and organised before the queues at the door would start. And in London in those days, it was buzzing and it was happening and it was a great hotel with a fantastic reputation. And on weekends, we always had queues. Even during the week, we had queues for breakfast because it was a businessman's hotel of choice. And I was so stressed so often trying to ensure that everything was in place before people came into the coffee shop to get their seat and to get on with their mealtime. And I was so young and it was just so crazy. But uh, part of the blessing, I guess, of taking on jobs like that when you are young is that you just put heart and soul and commitment and energy into them and you just do it. And that's what I did. I just did it. The other fantastic little stories of that time were um, when there were these crazy functions and events being hosted at the hotel that we were privy to. And one of them was for the Sultan of Brunei for his son's birthday, which they hosted at the hotel and the London Symphony Orchestra. And the London Symphony Orchestra came to play for the kids all on arrival and the entire event hall was set up as a Disney set. So the kids got to go around and play in their favourite Disney corners while the London Symphony Orchestra played and Marsha Hines was the main act and she came and sang and it was just crazy. It was those crazy heyday uh, for me of youth, of wide-eyed amazement at the things that I would see happening around me within the hotel. 
A lot of our clients were Arabs in particular through um, their summertime. They would come to London because it was cooler for them and they were escaping the 50 degrees heat uh, at the time of the Middle East and coming to London with their families and enjoying some shopping and staying in hotels and things in London. And I had had very little to do, of course, with the Middle East at that stage and I hadn't lived and my sister hadn't lived in the Middle East for me to visit her and spend time there. So it was a very new thing for me to be dealing multiculturally uh, with different people coming in and out of the restaurant. And a particular Arab gentleman came in one day and he was very pleasant and um, bestowed upon me a lot of uh, beautiful compliments and told me I was amazing and said, you know, he came back several times and consistently said the same thing, that he had this much better and bigger and more amazing job to offer me. And so one day again, in typical Vanessa fashion, don't think too much about it, just say yes. I met this guy for lunch up the road at a different hotel. And in fact, we ended up in a casino environment on uh, this main road in London. uh, And you needed to get in with a passcode and it was all very um, clandestine and had this most amazing lunch with this gentleman who pretty much offered me whatever I wanted, you know, the car, the ring, the clothes, the apartment, the shop, it would all be mine as long as I looked after uh, all his visiting companions who would be coming in and out of London over, you know, the course of time. And so the restriction was that I was not to have a boyfriend. (laughs) And by the time it got to this part in the conversation, my mind started ticking and my mother and father's sage advice of being careful started to kick in. And I realized I was way out of my depth and I shouldn't really be having lunch with this guy at all. And I really should be back at the Intercontinental Hotel doing my job. And uh, it was quite a difficult meeting to get away from, but I did manage to get away and I did share this again with my boss at the Intercontinental and apologised profusely for the fact that I even went on this meeting. That was completely not the right thing to do when I was already and continuously employed somewhere else. But it was a funny moment. It was a moment that I am amused looking back on because I was so innocent. Uh, It was also um, one of those moments where I'm grateful that, of course, it can be reflected upon with humour rather than reflected upon um, because something bad happened and nothing bad did happen. The guy left me alone. He came in a few times after that but didn't really want to have anything to do with me, of course, and that was just fine. But it was one of those funny little scenarios of my time, my foodie time at the Intercontinental in London. The other thing in those days that used to really, really get to me, I guess, and I honestly believe that this would not happen nowadays, and it's no reflection on the Intercontinental Hotel at all. It was just a product of hotels and their food and the way that they managed their food in those days, and it was the wastage. It used to break my heart. I had never in my life seen so much food wastage of perfectly divine, actually, often and very reusable and very re-edible food going, you know, completely into rubbish bins. And in London, 
always you would see homeless on the street. There were always people in need, as there are in any major city. And I remember being really mortified and horrified by that system and the fact that because of the health and safety regulations, there was no way in those days of being able to pass that surplus food on for those in need. And as a young person, knowing that that food could have gone to so much better use, um, even for our staff, so many of our staff were people who had come in to live in London, to work, to earn money to send back to families in other countries. They were living together in very small um, quarters and they, you know, were struggling to really keep themselves um, in any kind of sort of decent fashion or have treats or special meals. And I thought, gosh, couldn't we just give it to the staff? Aren't there staff who we could package this up for and take it home? But the health and safety at the time meant, no, we couldn't do that. And, you know, it was really important that the food get disposed of and... Still to this day, actually, it horrifies me on reflection how much food got thrown out. It was really, oh, awful, awful, awful. So I really do hope and I really do believe that this situation has changed and I hope that around the world people are making a conscious effort to try to change that and be able to provide food for charity and provide food for people in need if there is surplus food coming from their cafes or restaurants or from their hotels. So Hyde Park Corner was a pretty amazing bustling place. Another thing that uh, was always so gorgeous at our hotel was the high tea on the weekend. And it was the most sought after high tea in that era. And people would come and again queue to sit in the foyer of the hotel and have their tiered high tea. And it was just beautiful petit fours and scones and tiny dainty finger sandwiches and cups of tea and glasses of champagne. And whenever I had visitors come and visit me from Australia whilst I lived in the UK for a couple of years, uh, that would be the thing we would go and do because I had a staff discount and it was so special to dress up and go and indulge in a high tea. But I also remember the occasion when my mum and several girlfriends and I all decided, because mum was visiting, that we would dine at our hotel in the French restaurant. And it was amazing. The chef was awesome. And we, he treated us to the most divine degustation meal. And it's probably one of the first degustation meals I have ever eaten. You know, a multi-course meal with wines to match in the elegance of the Intercontinental Hotel on Hyde Park Corner with my mum and these gorgeous friends. And we were all so dressed up and it was just fantastic. Uh, but we made the mistake of heading upstairs to the bar afterwards and being treated to drinks by some other guests. And my poor mum, uh, not understanding that a Long Island iced tea was not simply an iced tea. And I think mum managed a couple of those Long Island iced teas quite quickly before she realised that it wasn't simply a lovely, refreshing drink at the end of the night. And uh, yes, it ended up kind of messy up there and quite giggly. And another one of those 
really amazing evenings that is imprinted in my mind as special, unique and really quite a lot of fun. So uh, there were there were many occasions and many crazy things that happened whilst I was in employment at that hotel, but it certainly gave me the grounding for the love of how uh, truly a commercial kitchen and chefs work together to create something amazing for the clientele. And it didn't matter where you dined in that hotel, the food came from that massive production kitchen where there were so many amazing individuals just fine-tuning their area, fine-tuning what it was that they were in charge of, whether it was the cold larder, the salads, the finishing touches, the cooking of the steak or the pastry chefs, the pastry chefs. A, I loved the pastry room. They had their own special room in the kitchen. And the pastries that were consistently being made for the buffet were so delicious. And I hung out in there quite a lot. I loved them. They had they were just great people. And what they were producing, of course, was always delicious. And I was always happy to be the taste tester down at that end of the kitchen as well. So it was a really amazing time. And I hope that young youth uh, or young adults of today also still have those opportunities between school and uni or between uni and maybe starting another job to have a chance to jump into jobs like that, that really take you out of your comfort zone, may not be connected to your life's path, or maybe they are, but just that exposure and experience to how uh, a business functions, how it is to report to a boss, how it is to have people reporting to you, how teams work together or don't work together, how it, it is to run a training session for people. I was running training sessions for staff who were older than I was. It was an amazing scary position often to be in, to know where your support comes from, to know who doesn't support you. All of those things are about life learning. And whilst, again, it was around food, it wasn't just about the food. It was about so much more. I learned so much more. I gained so much more. And I wish everyone to be able to have some of that experience in their life at an early stage or even at a later stage to find that amazing immersion uh, where you just say yes to something, find yourself immersed in something you may not have expected and to be able to just do it. And of course, what does that tie in with? That ties in with my whole philosophy of being fearless. So thank you for listening to my little stories and little ideas and thoughts from my days of working at the Intercontinental in London. There's more to share in more episodes about different aspects of my life while I was in the UK for those couple of years. And I'll look forward to sharing those with you uh, along our journey as we continue with the Fearless Kitchen podcast. Take care, everyone. Bye.